0: If you have your copy of God's Word, if you go to Colossians 1, uh, I'm going to read verses 24 and 25. And tonight we'll be, you know, continuing our study in Colossians. And tonight we're talking about the stewardship of the gospel. So I'm going to start in verse 24, and I'm going to read 24 and 25. It says this, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. Let's pray. God, my Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word. God, I pray, Lord, as, as, we, um, as we study tonight, Father, that, that you would, God, do with your word what man cannot do alone. God, that you would, um, God, i just be your mouthpiece, Father, and that, that uh, each hearer, God, that, that your Holy Spirit will move upon each hearer's heart and, and mind, and God, that you will have your way with us, that, that we will get out of this exactly what, what you want to uh, show us, Father. God, we love you and we thank you. It's all in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Uh, the last time up, uh, we spoke about, you know, what it means to rejoice in our sufferings for the sake of Christ and for the sake of the body of Christ, the church. And, you know, I added that, that scripture. You know, we really focused on 24, and we're going to be on 25 tonight, but it kind of flows into 25. So I started with 24 But here we see that Paul is saying that this church that he became a minister of, and it was according to the stewardship from God. Um, And that stewardship was given to, uh, really it says for you. he's talking about, you know, the church there in Colossae. For you, the church, in order that the word of God would be um, fully known, he puts it. And different translations have different wording there that that I'll kind of mention uh, in a little bit. But the first thing that I really want to look at tonight is really what is a steward? You know, because we see that word stewardship. What is a steward? A steward is someone that has been given a task by someone with authority over them. Or maybe they've been given something, you know, something to use from someone else. Um, You ever been you ever uh, been told to drive a car from some for someone else? You know, go go do this task or do this, errand. And uh, especially for me, depending on what type of car it is, I don't like to drive other people's vehicles. You know, Uh, I get real nervous and and I'm extra careful when I'm driving for somebody else, uh, somebody else's car. But, you know, the steward is not the owner. They're not the owner of necessarily the task or, you know, of that thing that, that was given or borrowed. Um, rather, they're, they're an agent, you know, for that owner that is put in their place to do their bidding, you know. And so uh, they're a manager of sorts. The owner entrusts them to carry out a plan and uh, a purpose, you know, that, that is really the owner's. And, and really, they're supposed to think as the owner would think. And they're supposed to speak as the owner would speak. And they're supposed to act and do as the owner would act and do. That's what the steward is supposed to do. You know, if you work, at, if you work for a boss, then then uh, you act as a steward of, of sorts. You know, you think about like Chick-fil-A. You know, their boss tells their employees to, uh, to tell you know, the, the um, patrons to respond with my pleasure, you know, that's kind of their thing. That, but what those people are doing, they're acting as a steward to what that uh, that organization, that boss has told them, you know, their desire is being carried out. We want you to do this. So you do this like this. And, and that's what so many bosses do. They give you their wishes. They give you their direction, their commands. And they expect you as an employee to fulfill you know your end of that obligation you know and so when a boss issues that command they expect their employees to follow through on those orders and if those orders are not followed through with you know there could be consequences to those actions um if you know for them not following through with diligence or uh and or obedience that they could face some consequences but it's just like, you know, when mom or dad tells a child to clean their rooms, they, they're sending them in there, and the expectations for the parents, at least the first time, would be for them to clean their room as they would clean it. You know, that if I'm sending you to do something, I kind of expect you to do it to, to my standard. You know, sometimes, sometimes after that first time, our standard might, <laughs> might fall a little bit of what are our expectations of what will be clean. But but that's really, we, we have a, a certain standard of what we want and we expect when people, you know, when we send them to do something, we kind of expect them to do as we would do. Um, although that doesn't always work out. Um, you know, I think about when I ask a student to take something to the office for me. You know, I would kind of expect them Uh, to go to the office and do as I do but then I then I remember that I'm talking to a 15 16 17 year old kid and a lot of times they uh they don't always go right to the office (laughs) they might make a detour you know uh but but that's the expectations is as a coach when I send a player into a ball game I'm expecting them to do something that I ask them to do and um and you know these examples probably aren't the best ones because so too many times, um, you know, the, what happens is they go in the ballgame and they do what they want to do rather than what they're told to do. But there's so many times that we kind of do the same things as stewards um, that, that we kind of do it our way instead of God's way. But but just I wanted to kind of talk about what is stewardship. But also, what is a minister? Because he uses that term, too. You know, that, that he says, of which I became a minister, talking about at the church, according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you. And so what is a minister? One thing that we need to consider about this text is that Paul um, says he's a minister according to the stewardship from God. So, so here, minister here comes from the word that we studied last time you should be familiar with we talked about it several times throughout the years but diakonos is the greek term and this is a word uh that would really for greek speaking people they probably would have cringed when they heard this word and him using it in that context because you know to be honest i mean even in america if we understood it you know as as the way that he was speaking of it that he was going to be this type of minister uh, to those people. You know, when you think about somebody that, that they're thinking, okay, this person is commissioned by God, then you would, you would think or probably what their first thought would be that this is, this is going to be an esteemed position. This is going to be uh, something of royalty or of clout that, that I'm given this is going to be a position where, where I rule and I ter- tell everyone what they should do. Um, but that's not what we see here. Rather, he, The word that he uses, diakonos, it really means to serve others. It really means to submit yourself to others and to give away your time to others. And, and doing tasks that would be considered menial, degrading, or even dishonorable tasks is really what this word is talking about that, that here for uh, Greek speaking people when they heard this that, that they would have seen this as as something as dishonorable I mean why would you know here this is a position that, that, that God has given me a, a great mission and, and that I'm supposed to you know take this on as a stewardship from him but yet the, the, what he calls a minister diakonos is, is something that is servanthood that you put yourself beneath instead of over. And, um, you know, immediately, though, I think, you know, one of my first thoughts as I was reading and really studying the word was of Jesus washing the feet of the disciples, you know, where he lowers himself. And, and I think of Jesus where he where he makes statements like, you know, that he did not come to be served, but rather he came to serve. And so, and so how his disciples should be, right? That they, they, they were to follow his lead. They were able to take up their cross and to follow after him. And Paul here says that God has given Paul this stewardship, this task to minister or diakonos really meant to lower themselves. To lo- that Paul was going to lower himself to a servant for others. And Paul is saying that this is given from God for you. Talking about the church at Colossae. In order to make the word, and, and the, here here's what he says, the reason it is, in order to make the word of God fully known, and I'm going to get to that a little bit later. Okay. But I also want to to really point out one of the um, one of the other What I think is real key in this statement and that we've kind of mentioned uh, in earlier statements in Colossians is that we need to be carefully to carefully consider uh, in this text that it is um, where it says that he became a minister. Really, to be honest with you, I think that the more proper term or the proper translation that other translations have would be he was made a minister. Okay, And I don't think that goes against, I mean, I, you may say that's kind of splitting hairs, became a minister, he was made a minister. But I think that's really important, and it goes directly in line with other parts of the Bible that, where Paul's talking about his calling, that he was a chosen instrument of God. But here, the reason why I think it's important, that Greek word that is used is, I hope I get this right, but echlogate. I'm not sure if that's how you say it, but the meaning, what it means is chosen or elected. That's, that's what it means. Where it says became, that's why I think it should have said he was made, uh, because that word really means chosen or elected. So it's, it's not just a point of time that it's saying this is when it happened. It's saying that God made this happen, okay? Just like he made us alive in Christ. God made Paul a minister. So so here is the same word that we see Jesus use in John 15, 16. And and there's other passages too, but I'm just going to use this one where he, where Jesus said, you did not choose me. So that choose right there is eclogate. But I chose you again, the same, the same Greek word and appointed you that you shall go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask uh, the Father in my name, He may give it to you. Okay, And, and I will say this till I am blue in the face, but, but really to misunderstand who chose who first and who loved who first, I believe is to diminish the grace that was placed in your life and my life. Honestly, think about it. Um, as, as a born again, child of God, it is, think about it. It is he who chose and loved first. Um, And, and without, without his action in my life and his action in your life, then we would have never sought him out on our own. And we would still be in a dead state of rebellion and sin as children of wrath. And so we've, I I believe that we need to understand that about, about this. And I think that's why it's important to see that difference where it just wasn't, he became a minister at one point. It was that God made him a minister. God sought him out. God, you know, was saying that this is my chosen instrument. I'm going to show him how much he's going to suffer on my, you know, for my sake, on my behalf, in my name. And that's exactly what Paul does. Paul does. And and it was really to great, great joy for Paul in the end for great joy and, and for great reward for Paul in the end. And so and we talked about that last week, so I'm not going to you know keep going on that. But but here's the next question. Is it just Paul? You know, is this just a a kind of a set-aside statement for Paul that, you know, Paul became, is this just talking about Paul being a minister to these people at Colossae, and this really doesn't go further than this, or does this apply to you and I? Or is it just Paul to be a minister of this stewardship? Is this individual, okay? Um, But I would say, no, I think this applies in this sense that it applies to the body. And here's why. Because, for one, the veil has been torn. Okay, I think about that, that Jesus Christ is a high priest forever. He's been raised up to sit at the right hand of the Father to be our advocate. And we have been indwelled with the Holy Spirit of God. Now, I know that, that that's not directly connected to this verse, but I want to start there. That we can go directly to God. And in 1 Peter 2.5, it says it like this. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as, as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. As Baptists, we believe in the priesthood of the believers, of all believers. That, that we can, that we can enter into that, that holy place, that communion with God through the blood of Jesus Christ. That he is our, that he is the sacrificial lamb. That he is our high priest. And, and then you, you keep going further. It says to offer a spiritual sacrifice acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And then verse 9, it says this in 1 Peter 2. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And so here, um, I believe that the stewardship that paul is talking about that was given by god okay uh to them to preach the gospel to make it fully known to this church is also given to every believer and 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 really that we should be sent out into the world to preach the gospel and we'll kind of get into that in a minute but i believe that because of that that our ministry all of our ministry should be treated as a stewardship Your ministry, my ministry should be treated as a stewardship. So Paul here says that God has given Paul this stewardship. I I know I keep repeating this, this task, okay, to minister or diakonos really meaning here to lower yourself to a servant for others. And Paul is saying that this is given from God for you, the church, okay, in order to make the word of God fully known. So I, I'll give you an example that, that I was kind of reading and I was like, oh, that I, I feel like that that's good. You know, a pizza delivery boy who works for a boss and he's, you know, called and told, take these pizzas to such and such address, you know, and and you're supposed to go and do that, right? You work for him, this is your task. What would that What would happen if that pizza delivery boy, you know, got that address and that pizza delivery boy went back to his own house and ate up all the pizza? Wouldn't last long as a pizza delivery boy, would he? And I was thinking about, you know, how here the task that we've been given is not for us to just, you know, sit inside these four walls. But the task that we've been given as stewards of the gospel is to go forth. And that here we're given, you know, this. We're given living water, living food, the bread of life that we're supposed to go give. But so many times that we're almost like that pizza boy, you know, where we get within our own four walls, and we're and we're receiving, but we don't ever go and complete the task. The mission is to go out and give to others. Many times. I think that we think of our Christian life as one in which you know I feel like I see this too much in modern day Christianity one in, th- in which you you know that the Christian thinks that they can take authority out of Satan's hands and now that authority's taken out of Satan's hands that that now we're free to kind of do as we wish and do as we please and, and that our desires to be uh, would be complete and that, that that's really that how we you know so many, um, wrongly look at God as almost like a genie in a bottle that he's just our, our wish master and that, and that when we need something that we go to him. But um, although, although we have definitely been set free uh, by the blood of Jesus Christ from the enemy, the Bible does make it very clear, I believe, what we are now since we have been freed from Satan. I believe that the that the Bible overwhelmingly claims the Lordship of Jesus Christ that he is not just a savior that frees us to kind of do as we please but he's a savior who frees us from one master to to really be under the new and good master so so we go from being a slave to one to being a a bond servant a slave to the other but a happy slave one that one that wants to be held captive by a good master and and here's what i mean i i'm gonna go through we're gonna we're gonna go through several verses and um and you know i don't know how it's gonna be kind of like what brian talked about this morning just kind of hang on i don't know if you're gonna get to all of these you might want to jot them down so you can look at them later you know but but here, Romans 10 starting, or, or Romans 10, 9, it says this, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So we confess him as what? As Lord, and we believe in our heart that he is that. And so, so to look at him as master, Luke 6:46, he asks him this: Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what i tell you to do so he expects us to do as he tells us second corinthians 5 15 and he jesus died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves but for him who for their sake died and was raised then we no longer live for ourselves but we live for the one who died for us and was raised for us first corinthians 6 19 says this or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. We're not our own. We were, it says we were bought with a price, so glorify God with your body. We are not our own. Philippians 2.10 and 11 says this, So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Bow and, and in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. There it is again. To glorify of God the Father. In 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 20, it says this. All this is to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To glorify, excuse me. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. How about that as a ministry? That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. He's entrusted us with that message. Therefore, we are ambassadors For them, entrusting us to the message of reconciliation. It calls you an ambassador. It calls you a minister of reconciliation. Therefore, we're ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We are his. We are really, as, as Paul talked about it, being a chosen instrument. We are a chosen instrument, you know, for God. The mouthpiece of God to go out and proclaim his truth to the nations. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. And that's how we're to be, that we're to implore people. We, we are to reason with people. We are to, as the Bible calls it, persuade people to the gospel, using the truth, okay, not outside the truth, using the truth of God. And so here in Acts 4, 1, it says it like this, and. And as they were speaking to the people, talking about Peter and the disciples, the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and, pro- and proclaiming, proclaiming as a herald to speak out in Jesus, the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and they put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening but many of those who had heard the word believed and the number of men came to about 5000 so here as peter preaches this message and and they were and he was arrested for it that he's proclaiming he is proclaiming sin as a his task his task to serve god and to be the mouthpiece of god and it led to about 5000 Um, that were saved that believed on account of his obedience to his task and then we see the next chapter there and he's out and then you know he goes again gets arrested and and then it says in acts 541 it says then they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name of jesus christ And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Christ is Jesus. And so here we see the early church movement where they're motivated by being a sent people, a called out people with this task that they are armed with the truth, that they are they are willing to put their freedom in harm's way because they know that they were once slaves to the enemy and now they're freed to be slaves to Christ and that even if they are put in prison that all that all that will happen is they'll preach to the jailers fine put me in prison I'll preach to the jailers we will sing in the middle of the night and if God shakes these chains loose he does if he doesn't then praise God anyway we will continue to preach and sing And and so here we see this task and and we see the task that was that was given to him from Jesus's mouth himself before, you know, he ascends. It says Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded to you and behold I am with you always to the end of the age love that the commission that we as believers have all been given the task that we've all been given Matthew 24 14 says it like this and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come that this is this is something that plan before the foundation of the world that this is the chosen way that God was going to see his redemption plan fulfilled. Is that he's going to use the church to preach the gospel. And that, that all that were all of those that, that would believe would come into the church that he would lose not one of them. The, that's the, that is the prayer from Jesus in the garden that all that were given to him, you know, that, that he would see raised up, you know, that, that everyone, he would not lose one that, that God the Father gave him. And so here, and we also see language from the, you know, the, the different writers of the New Testament, including, you know, the brothers of Jesus. I mean, can you imagine, I mean, James 1.1, 1, 1, James, the brother of Jesus says, James, a bond servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ so his earthly brother has submitted to the understanding that he is a bond servant to God and of his own earthly brother the Lord the master Jesus Christ can you imagine the amount of pride that had to be broken for a brother to say that about his own brother? He had to know the truth. He had to see the truth. In Romans 1.1, 1, 1, Paul calls himself a bondservant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. Jude and Peter uh, open their letters the same way. That word bondservant, doulos, we talked about it a lot. I won't stay on it too long. But it, it means doulos, bondservant, means a slave. Someone's personal property is what they're calling themselves. In Exodus, we see it as someone who decides to stay with their master. They, they would take an all in the ear to signify that they would be with them forever. Uh, we also see in the Old Testament that Abraham, uh, Joshua, David, and Isaiah were all referred to as God's servants. And, uh, and then in the time of Jesus, though... About um, about a third of the Roman population would have been slaves and about another third would have at some point in their life had been a slave. So so to hear this word doulos, when they hear that, that they were supposed to be a bond servant, a doulos to God in, in the Greek for Greek speakers. Again, this is this is lowering yourself. You know, and, and for many, this might have been a turnoff. I'm, I'm, you know, I understand what it is to be a slave and the and the and the task that I have to do and the, you know, lowering myself. That you know, it, the, our natural state is to want to rise above, is to is to be free, and and to to tell someone that they uh, that they have to be a a bond servant to God. May not be the, the, way that, the way that we would sugarcoat them in, right? As the American church. We wouldn't tell them that. That you've got to be a slave to God. We would not tell them that, would it? It's, it's more reason for me to, to believe that it has to be an act of God that turns someone's heart. It has to be an act of God that, that breaks someone's heart and calls them to repentance. Repentance to see the goodness of God that to be a doulos for Christ is good. It's not bad. It is the best thing that you could be. In Mark 9:35, Jesus says, "If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all." You know, at that time it would have been unthinkable to voluntarily lower yourself to the to that kind of status in that culture, and to be honest in our culture too. We're a narcissistic culture that, that always tends to put ourselves and our feelings at the forefront um, of of what is going around, on around us, that the world would revolve around us. But that is not the way that Jesus Christ speaks as he calls us to this ministry and to this task. Uh, in, in fact, in Ephesians six, six, he says this not not by the way, and this is Paul, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond service of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. And then in Matthew 16, 24, Jesus tells his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow after me. We have been entrusted with the greatest task uh, that humanity has ever been given. To spread the message of the gospel to a lost and dying world. That there are people at this very second that are are taking their last breath without the gospel. Without a truth that you and I know. Like we know the truth and there's people that probably have just taken their last breath that don't know. In 1 Thessalonians 2.4 it says it like this. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. I mean, doesn't that make it, make it sound like what the gospel that you're called to give is going to be hard to say? There's too many preachers that make it sound like, oh, this is easy to tell somebody. No, no. That is not the feeling that I get as I read through the scriptures. The scriptures tell me something different. That's why I think that we're right. That's why I think that that the way that we preach is correct. Because there's so many preachers that make it seem like it's just, it's so, it's just bring them in. It's so easy to tell them, you know, that they're lost and dying and going to hell. It's because they never tell them that. They skirt around it. Do you understand me? Like the, the, the gospel that, that we see preached here, he's saying you, he's saying the world's going to hate you because of it, because you preach it. i gonna be honest with you. If the world is not turning against you, if the world's not turning against you for the gospel that you preach, they're, they're going to do one of two things. They're going to either fall on their knees in repentance or they're going to hate you for the gospel you preach. But if there if you don't have that, then you might be preaching a false gospel. Or you may not be preaching at all, right? Are we not preaching at all? Are we preaching a false gospel? Because if we're preaching the gospel, then there is going to be there's going to be division. No doubt. And here's this last point out of that scripture that I want to kind of key in on. Our ministry to the church is to make the word of God fully known. It's what what Paul says that this this ministry given, you know, he's been given this ministry and it's a stewardship, a task from God and it's to the church, it's to you, the church. But the reason why it's given... Is, is to make the gospel fully known. Now, I've seen different, uh, you know, different opinions on what this means specifically. Paul here says that he's been given this stewardship task to minister. Again, I'm saying the same thing, di- diakonos. Really meaning to lower yourself, right? Lower yourself as a servant to others. And Paul is saying that this is given from God for you in order to make the word of God fully known. Now, this... Could be of some debate on what Paul means by this fully known. Is Paul talking about the complete word of God? Is he saying like this in a sense of like he's one of the writers, right? That he's, that he's been given this, um, you know, to, to finish the work of the word of God. So that he might give the Bible. Um, and I've heard that put. You know, because Paul is is at this very time helping to write the Bible before it is complete. Is he talking about that? Is he talking about fulfilling what the word of God said about him? You know, this promise of what he would be and what he would do is that is that, you know, he's he's just saying that, you know, God is making this fully known to you because here you see me as a minister, you know, and this stewardship placed on my life. Is that what he's saying? That all that was prophesied about him being this chosen instrument of God's grace that, you know, and I've seen some translations, including this one. You could make a statement that by saying that it says, you know, that it's making it fully known that it's just showing that the prophecies came true. Maybe. Or is it or is it that um, is he talking about the way that I kind of see it? That he's just, he believes that that his purpose in this ministry is to make the word of God fully known. That because I think we have to look at what is going on in Colossae at the time is that there is uh, an attack on the truth of the gospel. And that there are, there's definitely been an attempt to distort the gospel. There's false teachers distorting the gospel. And that Paul's great purpose in this letter is to make the gospel fully known to make sure there's no misunderstanding to preach the, the whole counsel of God. And I, and I believe that's where he's going. I, I think that even if it's one of those others that for us to understand, um, to make, to making the gospel fully known in the sense of making it clear is definitely biblical. And that is the, the direction that I'm going to take because I don't think I can I don't think I'm going to mess up going that direction. Okay. And so, so here, um, he's saying that, well, let me just share with you what he says in Acts 20, 26, we'll go there. Acts 20, 26. He says, therefore, I testify to you this day that I'm innocent of the blood of all, For I did not shrink back from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. And so Paul here, you know, put before a counsel. And um, he is, he's defending his stance. You know, in Acts 20. And he's saying, I didn't shrink back. I did give you the full counsel of God. And then to understand what the full counsel of God is, I think it explains it to us. If you go back to verse 20 in that same chapter, 20. Listen to what he says here. How I did not shrink back, there you see that same language, from declaring to you anything that was profitable. So he's saying, I gave you everything. If I thought it could help you, if I thought it could profit you, he's not talking about monetarily there, if I thought it would benefit you, I'm going to give it. Listen to what he says. And teaching you in public, and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and to the Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. He, he's saying, look, I told you. I told you everything that you need to know. I didn't hold back anything. Can we say that? Can we say that we don't hold back anything in the relationships that we have and in the, in the times that we have to minister to people? Or will there come a time where there's somebody in our life that that at the end where they could accuse us why didn't you tell me why didn't you tell me that this was true why didn't you plead with me that this is the truth of the gospel and so with that direction I believe that to fully make known the gospel that we need to do these three things and these are very common to talk about, but we need to learn the gospel, we need to live the gospel, and we need to give the gospel. Those three things, that to fully make known the gospel to the people around us, to the world that we see every day, we need to learn the gospel. you got to learn it. You must submit to His Word. You must submit to good, sound, biblical teaching. We are to be transformed daily by the renewing of our minds, right? And that the word of God is for reproof, is for correction, is for training in righteousness. In Philippians 4, 9, it says this, When you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. So what you've learned, what you have received, what you've heard and seen in me, it says Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. That's what Paul writes to the church in Philippi. These things that you have, that, you, that, that I've taught you, that you've seen in me, do these things. Can we say that to the people that, that are watching us, that are brothers and sisters in Christ, that are children of ours in the faith? 1 Timothy 4.11 says this, um, command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift that you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. So he's talking to Timothy there. Practice these things, immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so you will save both yourself and your hearers. And I think so much of that can apply to us as well as we are to be examples of those around us. And so here... um, so we must learn the gospel. But again, we must live the gospel. So we learn it in order to live it. Let people see and feel the love of Christ in you. Don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. We we're we called to practice righteousness. To be doers. In Matthew 5.16, it says it this way. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that, so we let it, we let it shine so that they may see our good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Ephesians 5.1 Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And then John thirteen thirty five says this by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. That that's how they know that we are his children, that, that we that we are his obedient servants, that is that we are his disciples, is whether we have love for each other. And then first John three eighteen it says, Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. So we are to learn the gospel, we're to live the gospel, and we are to give the gospel. In a world full of hate, you must be able to uh, tell others where that love comes from. You know, you, in, a, in their brokenness, you have, to, you have to be able to tell them what can bring redemption in their brokenness. In a land full of despair, you have to tell them about the one true hope. In their sin, you must tell them about the atonement that has paid the price for the wrath that is due to them. You must tell them about Jesus. Listen close on this. I believe this church knows this, but if there's any confusion... If you just show them, then all they will think is that they want to be a good person like you. And that mindset has sent many to hell. If that's all you do is you love them. You know, Tony was talking about that this morning. You try to love them to the cross. Yes, we're to love. I just got through saying that. Live the gospel out. But how will they know if we don't tell them the gospel how will they know and don't tell me do not make that excuse well we're in the south in the in the bible belt and everybody's heard the gospel and they know no they don't it doesn't take long if you start questioning people what they believe to realize how many people in the bible belt think that their good works will get them to heaven it doesn't take long in the bible belt that that So many people think in the Bible Belt that that because God is a loving God that he won't send people to hell. It doesn't take long to figure out when you start talking to people in the Bible Belt that there are many people in the Bible Belt that think there are many ways to God. And it doesn't take long to figure out in the Bible Belt when you talk to people that there are many people who just flat out don't believe in God at all. So do not use that excuse. Do you know that they know the gospel? Can they tell it to you? Because if they can't, then they don't know the gospel. They don't know the gospel. And so here, Romans ten fourteen 14 through 17, it says it like this. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. For they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us, so faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. And as Paul makes clear in the teachings of Romans and we see throughout the New Testament that this gospel is not just for the nation of Israel, but it is for the whole world to hear. And that for you, my brothers and sisters in the faith, that is our stewardship that is given from God to us to be ministers to the church and to go and make the gospel fully known to the world. That is our, that's our ministry. We are ministers of reconciliation. We're ambassadors for Christ to be ministers of this gospel to all creation. So, so the question to you, my brothers and sisters in Christ, um, will you be a faithful steward today with the gospel that you've been entrusted with? As the Bible says, will you be a faithful steward this week? You know, as you carry the gospel in your life, as you learn it, as you live it, as you give it, will you be a faithful steward of it? And for those who do not know um, the, what it means to repent and to believe the gospel, I would beg you that you do need to repent of your sins. You do need to repent because if you do not, as, as Brother Tony was speaking about this morning, there is there is a eternal punishment waiting you. It's eternal. It's not annihilation. And then it's over. It is very clearly pointed out in Scripture that if we believe Scripture is true and we do as a Bible believing church, then we believe that his judgment and his wrath is real and it will be poured out. Um, you know, on all those who do not confess the name of Jesus Christ and turn from their wickedness and follow after Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But for those who do, who do confess the name of Jesus Christ as their Lord, believe in their heart that He is faithful and that He will forgive you of your sins and that your sins will be paid for. And so that is the call tonight for anyone lost is to, is to beg for repentance. Beg for mercy and grace of Jesus Christ, and uh, and to call on His name. Let's uh, let's pray, and then we will close. God, my Father, I thank You so much, Lord, for Your Word and Your truth. God, for Your grace and Your mercy uh, is something that we do not deserve, but yet You have You bestowed it upon us, Father, and uh, and we are so thankful, God, for for that. And uh, and God, I pray, Lord, that You would Help us to, um, to God, go forth and to take this, God, as, as true commands, Father, that we won't uh, let um, our light shine uh, or be hid under a bushel, but, Lord, that we would let our light shine before men and that they would be um, called to repentance, Father. God, we love you and we thank you. It's the name of Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.